0: Yeah, so sometimes I start early. Sue me. I would like, if I may, to take you on a strange journey. Welcome to Nine Cents. Nine Cents is a satanic perspective of Armon World, and I'm your host, Reverend Campbell. It's great to have you. It is November the 7th, and I know it is because I just double-checked, and i got a great show for you this week. In The Devil's Advocate, I'm going to be bringing back an oldie but a goodie, Nine Cents Letters, and one of the earliest shows I ever created was about saying, Hail Satan. Well, I just happened to get a letter asking about it, so let's talk about it again. I mean, after a decade, who knows? Maybe my decisions, my answers, my thoughts have changed. And the infernal imporment, human species who lived 500,000 years ago, named as Homo bodensis. We're going to talk about some ancient history here, people. And also, first detection of sugars and meteorites gives clues to the origin of life. I probably don't have an incredibly interesting perspective on this article, but it was sent to me by someone who sends me a lot of stuff, and I really appreciate it. And this one just sort of stuck a nerve. So we're going to talk about it. I'm going to close it out with the creature feature, talking about Dune Part 1. Now, I watched this weeks ago. I hadn't talked about it. Last week I had a special, so I couldn't talk about it last week. I didn't want to do a, a Satanist on Cinema on it. I don't know why, because it is spectacular, but I just wanted to talk about it myself. So I'm finally getting the chance to give it to you. So I'm going to give it to you. Prepare yourself. You might want to get some lubrication or something to ease the forced entry. Is all I'm saying. Um, yeah, it's going to be a good one. All right. So KB, I have no idea what you're talking about. I don't know what the Astro World tragedy is, and I certainly don't know who Travis Scott is. So Astro World is that like Astro Glide? Oh, is that like a no? I don't. I, have, I don't know. Totally out of the loop. Don't know what you're talking about, Mike. How you doing? I think you might be the only one <laughs> who got bombarded with pamphlets. That's messed up, though. By the way, I grew up in an area. Um, it was Salem, Utah, and we had a dentist. And every year, the dentist would give out mini toothbrushes and mini toothpaste on Halloween. Instead of giving candy, he gave his profession. And you know what I say to people like that? It's your problem? So if you're super religious and you're handing out Bible pamphlets, what's your problem? <laughs> it's a, it's Halloween. Give the kid a Snickers, Skittles. Hell, the one time of year a kid will be happy to get Smarties, right? <laughs> Give him Bible pamphlets. What is wrong with you people? All right, Gary, how you doing? Thanks for joining live, man. William, what is up? How you doing, Freeth? Valeria, great to see you as always. Sapphire, how you doing, on What's up, Dwayne? Uh, Zachary, always good to see you. Dandelion Bodies, love your name. Wes Vanderpool, my man in Amsterdam. Damn, what is up indeed? Ashley, how you doing? Thanks for joining live. And the Mac geek. Please tell me you own like a Windows phone. You know, like it, it was only out for like a year and a half or two years, but it was like a Windows phone. It would be amazing to me if the Mac geek had a windows phone there's some joy in some dark recess of my body Ugh. Oh, please let it be true allison how you doing hon thanks for joining live appreciate you what's up evan and anyone else after the fact oh that's the most amazing thing i ever heard in my life i can die happy now i hope it's true you could have just said it and pacified me and that, that'd be okay alone but thinking it's true oh That'd be amazing. All right. um, Coming up this week, (laughs) this week on Shit I Do, uh, Veterans Day. So, for those of you who don't know, there is actually a satanic veterans organization um, called the Infernal Legion. And you can, if you're a veteran, look into it and be a member or whatever. Anyway, uh, I was honored to be reached out to um, by uh, one uh warlock bowling and asked if I could contribute to it and I happily did. Here's my problem though. Whenever I think about contributing to like a memorial or a Veterans Day type thing or like Independence Day or something, my first go-to is let's look up great poems or let's look up great speeches by other people. And so as I'm sort of going down that rabbit hole of inspiring, meaningful, powerful words by others, I thought why don't I just give my crotchety own opinion? Like th- they asked me, they didn't ask John F. Kennedy. So why am I reading his speech? Right? So I just sat down. I was like, okay, I'm just going to sort of f- like free flow, like thought dump on the page and just see what happens. And what ended, what ended is probably expected by anyone who watches any shows that I do, but it was surprising to me. And um, anyway, The only way you're going to hear the speech is if you actually listen to the Infernal um, uh, Legions podcast, which I think is probably dropping this week because Veterans Day is coming up this week. So for all you veterans out there, appreciate your service, appreciate appreciate your sacrifices, and uh, you're the real fucking heroes in this goddamn world. Um, And I also went out hiking on a mountain for one of my other podcasts, Kicking Rocks Podcast. So if you guys are interested in that... The episode's going to be dropping next week for anyone who's not a patron. Patrons get it this week. But uh, it's a fun little sojourn into a death hike with my dog (laughs) and a friend. So if you're interested, Kicking Rock's podcast. All right, let's dive into the show, shall we? Yeah, let's do it. What am I doing? Devil's advocate. that's it. (laughs) That's what I'm doing. Christopher Lee's in the house. How you doing, man? Uh, you guys gotta check his stuff out. He's pretty spectacular. All right, let's see here. I feel kind of off today. What am I doing? Here we go. This is a, this is a fun little goofy image we're gonna use to talk about hail Satan. All right, so I got a letter from someone who asked, uh, "When you say hail Satan, do you just mean hail myself, or do you mean something more as well?" And I sat on this for a couple days thinking about it because there's the asshole reply that virtually any Satanist would give, you know, just like, learn the fuck what Satanism is and and that's a stupid question. And then there's the thoughtful reply that someone who maybe understands that not everyone comes into the religion of Satanism understanding Satanism 100% or... They're not sure because it seems like there's so many different forms of Satanism out there today. If you believe the media, uh, they're not sure what type of a Satanist you are. And so it's an honest question. Just where, where are you coming down on this? I'm I'm curious. And so I thought I would not give the asshole answer because even though in my regular life, I am a massive asshole in this particular case, I thought, let's let's talk about it during the show and the truth is is depending on the Satanist you're talking to it means a whole lot of different things and that may be a surprise I feel like I have a hair I do have a hair okay all right this is like this is warfare this is what this is I will find stray long hairs longer than my haircut wrapped around places that it shouldn't be. Sometimes I'll just see the hair dangling, and I grab it and I start pulling it, and it keeps coming, and it's wrapped around nether regions and stuff. And you're just like, whoa, ha, ha, ha. Kind of feels good a little bit, but it's still a little weird. How did it get there? I'm convinced that my wife plants her long hairs randomly on my body, because I discover them randomly on my body. It's the most obscure weird thing ever. I just found one, in my mouth so i don't know how she like did like her voodoo what but it happened thanks honey appreciate you hey jason thanks for joining uh both jasons all right um what are we talking about we're talking about hell satan so it does literally mean a lot of different things to a lot of different people and so there is no one answer that's going to pacify everyone so what i'm going to do is kind of give you the way i look at it and if you vibe with any of the ideas that i threw out here awesome and if you don't Awesome. I would love to hear what you think as an audience member. What do you think of when you say "Hail Satan"? What does the the phrase mean to you? So this is what it means to me. Um, I was actually really excited to get this question because after having communicated Satanism for a decade, you start to think, well, it's not really exotic anymore. It's kind of like just, yeah, it's a religion, you know and what i love about this religion is that it is very exotic it it, it is obscure it's it's dark it's dangerous it's it's alluring but familiarity can ultimately breed contempt but it certainly breeds, breeds normalcy so i've always sort of had in the back of my mind am i slowly destroying this religion that i love by speaking to it every single week and When I get a question like this, it confirms that no, no, I am a tiny little pebble in a vast ocean of understanding. And anything that I'm doing is just for my own benefit, really. I mean, maybe someone else is going to get some sort of satisfaction or whatever from it, but ultimately it's just for me and it's only really serving me. So clearly if other people are asking, what do I mean when I say hell Satan? Well, this is amazing. That means that Satanism still, it's got it. It's still got, it's got the the bar. I don't know. I don't even know if that's a fucking Yiddish word or not. Oh, I just heard it once. Um, I was glad to have received this anyway, is my point. Uh, so, of course, Satanists understand Satan to be a metaphor. And a metaphor is a figure of speech in which a word or phrase is applied to an object or action to which it is not literally applicable. Right? So when we refer to Satan representing Things we don't literally mean a spiritual Satan. We don't literally mean an anthropomorphic deity or fallen angel, as the Christians would have you believe, or God, as some other religions would have you believe. We it is literally just a, a term that encapsulates other ideas, but it so perfectly fits that we can't call it anything else, right? So when we're saying "Hail Satan," we're saying a couple of different things, or I am certainly saying a couple of different things. First of all. Because there's no actual physical Satan or spiritual Satan, the idea of saying Hail Satan can be seen as just a form of greeting or a form of celebration or, or recognition of the concepts that Satan represents. So in the most basic form, Hail Satan is nothing more than a greeting of hello or goodbye between some Satanists. Now, I've never actually seen anyone say Hail Satan as a hello, but I have certainly seen some say Hail Satan as a form of like, Choose, ciao, bis dan, see you later, Auf Zayn, you know, see ya, <laughs> bye. Um, but it's also a bit of a form of empowerment. Ride with me on this trail here. Um, the power of just saying it to yourself is, is pretty spectacular. The first time you just utter the words, hail Satan, and you actually mean them, in whatever context you're saying them, you mean them. That's powerful. But to be in a room, with a host of other Satanists and hearing it be roaring out in concert, it shakes the fucking walls. It is so incredibly powerful. You can feel it. The air reverberates with the authority of the statement. It's pretty spectacular. It's also a form of just a recognition of our carnal selves, right? Right? We celebrate all the so-called sins, um, Satan represents every single one of them, and so saying how Satan is just an affirmation of that recognition. It's also an awareness that we don't really fully understand the chaos of the universe. Uh, we know that there is an element that we refer to as Satan within the chaos of the universe, Levee references as being a sort of dark side of nature in some references if you depending on the satanist depending on your understanding of standard magic and depending on whether you where you fall down on the idea of greater magic it could be you tapping into that dark side of nature so maybe that is what satan means to you when you reference hail satan that unknown aspect of nature or that that element of nature that you're literally calling to and manipulating and comes to your bidding. That could be another aspect of it. Um, and ultimately in short, hail Satan means many different things to many different Satanists. And to me, it's a bit of everything. It is an affirmation of my religion. It is a way of me recognizing who I am and who I am speaking to. I see you hail Satan. We know where we lie in this thing. We are the alien elite. We are the highest embodiment of human life and we're the only ones in on the joke, you know? We hear each other. Like that, it's this, this connection that we have. So that's another way of it being used. Uh, I, I don't actually mean like hail an entity. That's, that's silly, you know? If, if I was gonna do that, I'd say hail Adam. And that just seems a little too self-serving. <laughs> You know, I I don't even say that on my birthday. So I'm certainly not going to say it. You know, it's like a, all right, talk to you later. Hell Satan. You know, that's weird. So anyway, I'm telling you, Jordan, it's a thing. It is a thing. Sean is laughing because she knows it. Let's see here. Hell Satan is ultimately hailing yourself, but the entirety of yourself, including the dark, the light and all of the extraordinary aspects you can readily explain. That's a good one. That's a good way of explaining it, Zachary. Appreciate that. Let's see, um, this religion becomes so much more beautiful to you every time, every single day, just from you thinking about it more, being surrounded by a community of hyper-Christians. Yeah, that would drive me nuts. I wouldn't be able to have time to think (laughs) being around a bunch of Christians. Uh, You use it to celebrate the primary and primal concept of Satanism. That's cool. I dig that. A cool phrase like uh, Hakuna Matata. (laughs) It's a wonderful phrase. Um, it's no passing craze. <laughs> now that song is in my head. What is wrong with you, Anton? What kind of a person does that? Ugh, the power of Satan compels you. Um, what does everyone else here think about the variation of hail yourself? You find you tend to use that more just because it feels good to glorify yourself. You mean you say hail yourself, like hail myself or hail Adam? You like you use your name? I couldn't do that. That feels weird to me. Uh, You're talking to another COS member online earlier and ended the conversation with "Have a great night, HS." But sure, others may not bring up those words online. Really, I actually find myself moderating when I spell out "Hail Satan" and when I actually do just "HS" too. Like that's a weird thing. You it, like we know what HS means, right? Because we're we're in. But and you would never say HS to someone on the out. So is it just like LOL rather than saying that was really funny or um, you, made, you made me laugh out loud? Or is it just like do you guys ever think like I'm speaking to X so I'm going to spell out Hail Satan based on the context of our conversation. And now I'm speaking to Y and so the context of the con- con- conversation dictates HS. I literally think that way. Like if you're just asking me a general question or you know I ask a favor of you or something – And we just happen to both be Satanists. I'll just throw out an HS. If we're having a conversation, then I'll say, hail Satan. So even that context of communication, the use of it has different substantive meaning. And that's kind of cool that you can use it like that. You know, I don't think it's as versatile a word as fuck. Because if we're being honest, I don't know if there is as versatile a word as fuck. But it's pretty versatile. You know, it's pretty good. Let's see. Cool phrase like avatars. I see you. I don't know that reference. Usually use shemham for rash as hello. Really? I've never heard of that in my life. That I got, I want to be a fly on a wall to that conversation. Cause that I, that's wild. Shemham for rash was supposed to be this. Um, the reason why it's used in uh, Stenic ritual, it, it's supposed to be this magical word of Jehovah's, right? Of, of like this 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 power word of like a Christian or a Judeo-Christian God. I would never think of it to use it as like a sup, <laughs> you know? I'll do like a head nod or I'll say, hey, how you doing? Or I'll do a combination of all or, you know, some variation thereof. But Shem, Han, Farash. That's that's confidence <laughs> that the other person is going to know what the fuck you're talking about. You know what I mean? Like, um, Shemham Farash, can I get the the two pancake and bacon Macambo? <laughs> like, what are you talking about? All right. Um, hail Satan as fuck. <laughs> I assume that's what the that acronym is. Uh, you'd only say Hail Satan, hail, hail yourself to someone else as a call to action. Something. Oh but even that that's a little bit i don't know that's weird for me that's like um it's like you're you're like being a counselor no 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 hail yourself you deserve that this is yours <laughs> you know <laughs> like someone who's like i don't know won a game they're like no it was a team effort and they're like no 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 hail yourself <laughs> i don't know i don't know what i'm talking about all right, well, that's. I hope that answers the question. It's not lengthy. It's not long. It's not drawn out. It's, it's pretty straightforward, but that's how I see it. It's not just a one-to-one ratio of Hail Satan means Sia or power to the people. <laughs> I don't know. Do you need to do like a chest pump before you say that? It, it's kind of just all over the board, and we use it in a myriad of different ways, and I think that's the strength of it because as soon as you have a phrase of substance like that, and it's it just enters your vernacular, you can't help but find different uses for it. You know, it's certainly not just exclusive to the ritual chamber and a gong hits afterward. However, now that I think about it, if I could have a gong smash in the background, very Frau Blucher-like, when the horse is Winnie hearing her name, that's kind of boss, right? It's just like people are like, Hail Satan! Looking around like, where did that come from? Is there a gong in here? Like, we're at the the mechanics shop. There's just a gong hitting? That's weird. That'd be awesome. I'd love that. Alright. Let's do a little Infernal Format. what's all right let's see here uh I've, I've actually done a, a show on ancient human cultures and stuff, so whenever I find new little tidbits of information, I am immediately tuned in. I'm like a dog whose ears, ears just prick up, and I, like, I heard something that I'm really into. And so I could not pass this up. It's not earth-shattering. It's not groundbreaking, but it is interesting to me, and I want to sort of talk about it with you a little bit if I can. This is actually from The Guardian. The title of the article is Human Species Who Lived 500,000 Years Ago, named as Homo Bodensis. Researchers have announced the naming of a newly discovered species of human ancestors, Homo bodensis. The species lived in Africa about 500,000 years ago during the Middle uh, Pleistocene Age and was the direct ancestor of modern humans, according to scientists. The name bodensis derives from a skull found in Bodo Dar in the Awash River Valley of Ethiopia. Scientists said that the epoch is significant because it was when anatomically contemporary humans Homo sapiens, appeared in Africa and the Neanderthals, known as Homo neanderthalensis, in Europe. However, some paleoanthropologists have described this period as the muddle in the middle, because human evolution during this age is poorly understood. Dr. Mirjana Roxandic of the University of Winnipeg in uh, Canada and the study's lead author said, talking about human evolution during this time period, became impossible due to the lack of proper terminology and acknowledges human geographic variation. Under the new classification, Homo bodensis will describe the majority of middle, uh, Middle Pleistocene humans from Africa and some from Southeast Europe, while many of the later continent will be reclassified as Neanderthals. Christopher Bay from the Department of Anthropology at the University of Hawaii at Manoa and one of the co-authors of the study said the introduction of Homo Bodensis is aimed at cutting the Gordian knot and allowing us to communicate clearly about the important period in human evolution. Roxandic concluded naming a new species a big deal as the International Commission on Zoological Nomenclature allows name changes only under very strict defined rules. We are confident that this one will stick around for a long time. A new taxon name will live only if other researchers use it. The findings are published in Evolutionary Anthropology Issues News and Reviews. In August, The Guardian reported that archaeologists unearthed ancient DNA in the remains of a woman who died 7,200 years ago in Indonesia, a discovery that challenged what was previously known about the migration of early humans. The remains belonging to a teenager named Bessay. ...were discovered in the Linang, Liang Paninj cave in the Indonesia island of Sulaweski. Sulawesi. Uh, initial excavations were undertaken in 2015. The discovery published in the journal Nature is believed to be the first time ancient human DNA has been discovered in Wallacea, the vast chain of islands in Dettolis in the ocean between mainland Asia and Australia. The DNA was extracted from the petrous part of Basset's temporal bone, which houses the inner ear. Researchers said that the intact DNA was a rare find. I wanted to bring this up because it, it fits so perfectly with the next article, but also my, my approach to what it means to be a human animal. It, it seems very rudimentary, our, our anecdotal approach to being human animals, right? We think, oh, well, dogs are dogs and cats are cats and humans are humans. But the truth is, is, there's so much of a variety in dogs and cats and humans, the further you go back in the evolutionary chain, that you have to start to question what we understand as human being now was not always what human beings were. In fact, we weren't, you know, we're the result of interbreeding of different human species. So when we start thinking about the human animal, we break it down through ethnicity, region, countries, imaginary borders, sometimes by color of hair or shape of body, which is ridiculous because those are just tiny little aspects of a version of human that just happened through the random chaos of the universe to have survived. And there are other Myriad of versions of humans that existed before we ever did. That had like spiritual dreams. Like um, the Denisovans had funeral rites and they were pre-homo sapien as well. Neanderthals interbred with Denisovans and homo sapiens. Like we are an amalgamation of the human experience. We are the result of various human creations, intermixing their cultures, their beliefs, their ideas, their survival techniques. And we just happen to be the ones sitting here today talking through radio waves from space. I am beaming mine up to space and it's coming down to you from space. How amazing is that? And we complain about one person looking one way and how they're a monster because of it when you look at the human experience from a historic scale, these divisions that we create are the most ridiculous, silly, absurd divisions that have no meaning and serve no purpose at all. And I'm not saying everyone should love each other and hold each other's hand and kumbaya or anything. I'm just saying it's ridiculous because it is. Simply because someone happened to be born in a different country doesn't make them better or worse than you. That just means that you thinking that proves you're an asshole. That's all that does. The human experience is so much greater than you. It includes this host of ancestry that have had experiences that are so much more challenging than anything you've ever done in your pathetic life. I I can't help but reflect on my father-in-law's life experience, being so close in time span to mine, and yet his outlook on life and the inner strength that he has as a human being is so much greater than anything I would have. I can't help but think that we're different species, and yet we're not. It's just that we've transitioned to this really strange, sedimentary lifestyle. And we've gotten soft and and frail and weak and hunched over and pathetic and super whiny and kind of bitchy. That's just who we are. And it's depressing because we had ancestors struggling to find food. Can you imagine how exciting it would have been at the pinnacle of human experience to discover like husbandry? To understand farming for the first time, to not have to travel hundreds and thousands of miles throughout your life, you could just sit in one spot, plant a plant, and then eat it. And that's your life. Like it was this mind boggling shift that we take for granted. You know, I don't think anyone today is thinking about how revolutionary the internet could have been, and arguably in various ways is, but we just take it for granted. Because for some of you, it was there when you were born. For those of us who were born and the internet came in during our lives, I still don't think we really understand the impact of it because we grew up with it. But for people who are at the end of their lives and then the internet hit, they're going to appreciate it. They're going to have that perspective. There are so many wonderful Evolutionary shifts that happen in every generation that is just taken completely for granted, and we focus on these ridiculous tribalism aspects to what it means to be human. And certainly nowadays, you can you know pounce on the idea that it's really just a political tribal division, and that is entirely fair because yes, that is a thing that is happening right now. But it is also a lot deeper than that too. You know, it's going from sexuality to gender identity to political to religious. Um, Uh, just to you know assholes who just want to still try to drag up ethnicity into the fucking mix like why can you imagine the magnificent things that our species could accomplish if we just get over this ridiculousness that we are putting on ourselves it blows my mind we interbred with different species of humans in order to be who we are And all we're doing is tearing apart who we are to prevent our progression in the future. We don't deserve to be around here. I've said it a thousand times, I'll say it a thousand more. We don't deserve it because we're fucking idiots as a species. And if you don't think that, that proves that you're a fucking idiot, one. But two, open your eyes and look at who's heralded as a successful person. Fucking internet stars, how pathetic influencers what does that mean it's it's just the most we should be celebrating the working man or woman we should be celebrating the people who are advancing technology that will get us off of fossil fuels so that our species can actually exist in the future we should be focusing on people who want to terraform this planet to be more livable than other planets and yeah, I do believe in in diversity of of uh, the human animal on different planets for survival purposes, but we shouldn't be forsaking our home here just to go there. Um, it blows my mind. It really does. Especially when you look back at where we came from And and a little bit of perspective, at least for me, goes a really long way. And it's stunning to me that seemingly no one else cares or thinks about it or anything like we have magic every day every time you post something in social media you take a picture of yourself and send it to your grandma that's magic that did not exist when I was a kid it didn't exist it wasn't even a thing that was made up (laughs) like someone's like hey I would like to store music on my little digital device And now I just stream whatever music from, I don't even know where it comes from. I just hit play and it plays. That's fucking magic. And we're living in a magical world and everyone takes it for granted. Just a little perspective, (laughs) that's all. We came from very bestial places and that is still within us. And we can't forget that aspect of our lives. That, that survival instinct, that lizard brain, that tribalistic attitude, but we can't let it rule our lives because it prevents us from actually progressing as a species. It really does, all right. Let's see, what do you guys have to say? Uh, it makes you sad knowing you can only get to experience a tiny amount of time and life living on this planet as everyone has a start and end and we only get a human's lifespan of time. But that's, that's why I think it's so amazing that's why I think we really need to focus, And that's certainly why I love Satanism so much because it does focus on that aspect of it, right? We are carnal creatures with a limited time span. So we have to make this our heaven. We have to make this the best possible time and live in the moment and celebrate those carnal pleasures that while we can, because it's it, it's over. If we had eternity, it wouldn't be special. It would be boring as fuck. That's why I don't want to be a vampire. It's just not interesting. But if you have a limited amount of time, live in the moment and you're going to enjoy it. If you're, if you're one of those sad, pathetic humans that's like, no, I'm just going to deny myself now because I, I believe I'm going to be floating in a cloud later. Well, okay, you just wasted your life. You shouldn't have even lived in the first place. You're literally a waste of skin. That's it. Um... Erectus Bipedal interacted with Habilis, it seems to. I just love all we're discovering right now and still can't quite understand the true origins and timelines on it yet. Jason, you're absolutely right. And this is the aspect of this I also wanted to sort of nail down before I went off on my rant here. We still don't know. Like, this article came out a couple days ago. We're still, there's there's epics of not just life, but our human understanding that we're missing. Like entire epics of human existence are just missing because of natural disasters. They're just gone. There are whole civilizations that were raised up with technology that wouldn't be discovered till tens of thousands of years later that were crushed and we're only discovering now in Gobleki Tempe. Of course, that was like a decade ago, but still, you know, now in that scale of time. It's amazing to me. Like we just don't know anything about our own histories and yet we claim to understand and have answers to everything. We don't even know who we are. And we're making all these rash judgments about our environment and about the other species on this planet and about how we're the the most intelligent species. Other creatures communicate. We just don't understand it. That doesn't mean that they're lower forms of communication or they don't communicate effectively or profoundly. It just means we're too stupid to understand it <laughs> in the same way that those other animals that we share this planet with don't understand us. So when they see us saying sit and they're like, Oh, the monkey's telling me to sit down. He's going to make him happy. So the dog sits down. We're like, Oh, this stupid dog learned a trick. And the dog's like, Oh, the stupid human learned a word. <laughs> it's all perspective, man. It's amazing. I just, I'm, I'm amazed at, uh, the human animal. It's just, it blows me away. Uh, okay. So that's one thing. Let's dive into this next one. Cause it's just as profound. I'm going to kind of bitch about it though, just to kind of give you a little foreshadowing. All right. This is from nasa.gov. First detection of sugars in meteorites gives clues to origin of life. The team discovered ribose and other bioessential sugars, including arabinose and xylose in two different meteorites that are rich in carbon, NWA 801 type CR2, and Murchison type CM2. Ribose is a crucial component of RNA, ribonucleic acid. In much of modern life, RNA serves as a messenger molecule, copying genetic instructions from the DNA molecule, doxyribonucleic acid, and delivering them to molecular factories within the cell called ribosomes that read the RNA to build specific proteins needed to carry out life processes. Other important building blocks of life have been found in meteorites previously, including amino acids, components of proteins, and nucleobases, components of DNA and RNA. But sugars have been a missing piece among the major building blocks of life, says Yoshihiro I'm butchering this, sorry guys. Uh, Furukawa of Tohoku University, Japan, lead author of the study published in the Proceedings of uh, National Academy of Sciences, November 18. The research provides the first direct evidence of ribose in space and the delivery of the sugar to Earth. The extraterrestrial sugar might have contributed to the formation of RNA on the probiotic Earth, which possibly led to the origin of of life. It is remarkable that a molecule as fragile as ribose could be detected in such ancient material," says Jason Dworkin, a co-author of the study at NASA's Goddard Space Flight Center in Greenbelt, Maryland. These results will help guide our analysis in pristine samples from primitive asteroids Ryugu and Bennu to be returned to the Japan uh, Aerospace Exploration Agency's Hayabusa-2 and NASA's OSIRIS-REx spacecraft. An enduring mystery regarding the origin of life is now biology I'm sorry, is how biology could have arisen from the non-biological chemical processes. DNA is the template for life, carrying the instructions of how to build and operate a living organism. However, RNA also carries information, and many researchers think it evolved first and was later replaced by DNA. This is because RNA molecules have capabilities that DNA lacks. RNA can make copies of itself. Without help from other uh, molecules, it can also initiate a speed-up chemical reaction as a catalyst. The New York, sorry, the new work gives some evidence to support the possibility of that RNA coordinated the machinery of life before DNA. The sugar in DNA to uh, (laughs) deoxy. ribose was not detected in any of the meteorites analyzed in the study said danny glavin a co-author of the study at nasa goddard it is important since there could have been a delivery bias of extraterrestrial ribose to the early earth which is consistent with the hypothesis that rna evolved first the team discovered the sugars by uh, analyzing powdered samples of the meteorites using gas chromatography mass spectrometry which sorts and identifies molecules by the mass and electric charge. They found that the abundances of ribose and the other sugars ranged from 2.3 to 11 parts per billion in NW 801 and from 6.7 to 180 parts per billion in Merchantson. Since earth is awash with life, the team had to consider the possibility that the sugars in the meteorites simply came from contamination by terrestrial life. Multiple lines of evidence indicate Contamination is unlikely, including isotope analysis. Isotopes are are versions of an element uh, with different mass due to the number of neurons in the atomic nucleus. For example, life on Earth prefers to use the lighter variety of carbon 12c over the heavier version 13c. However, the carbon in the meteorite sugars was significantly enriched in the heavy 13c, beyond the amount seen in terrestrial biology, supporting the conclusion that it came from space. The team plans to analyze more meteorites to get a better idea of the abundance of the extraterrestrial sugars. They also plan to see if extraterrestrial sugar molecules have a left-handed or right-handed bias. Some molecules come in two varieties that are mirror images of each other like our hands. On Earth, life uses left-handed amino acids and right-handed sugars. Since it's possible that the opposites would work uh, fine, right-handed amino acids and left-handed sugars, scientists want to know if there was a preference and where it came from. If some processes in asteroids favors the production of one variety of the other, then maybe the supply from space via meteorite impacts made the variety more abundant on ancient Earth, which made it more likely that life would end up using it. The research was funded by a Japan Society for the Promotion of Science, Kakenhi (science grant), the National Institutes of Natural Sciences Astrobiology Center, Japan, the Institute of Low Temperature Science, uh, Hokkaido University, the simons foundation and the nasa astrobiology institute goddard center for astrobiology jason dworkin and danny glaven are members of the goddard center for astrobiology team so when i got this um from um uh, the individual um they made a note about how we could be alien because if rna sugars did come from extraterrestrial sources to seed this planet um it's also like you know panspermia where we're created from other heavenly bodies ostensibly um, and then that helped be the catalyst for life to evolve on this planet then we came from aliens but i would argue that everything is aliens like we of course we're aliens every th- to think that we're not aliens is to say that we're special, that this planet was formed in and of itself, and we were put here and evolved without anything else. But the truth is is that we're hurling through space at hundreds of thousands of miles an hour, and we are constantly bombarded by particles, asteroids, meteors, everything from outer space. The only reason why this planet formed, was because other bodies smashed together as they were being pulled in by the gravitational force of our sun and smashed and stuck together by their own gravitational forces. We were created, this planet itself was created by external forces. Everything that is in us, all of the carbons, all of the chemicals is abundant in space from stars. We are all star stuff, as Neil deGrasse Tyson loves to say. So, yeah, of course we evolved from space. That's how everything, our, our sun, our, our, every planet we have, our moon, everything, all the water on this planet came from icy meteors and, and uh, other planetary bodies that crashed into this planet in its early formation. Like, nothing magically created us. We are the result of the universe. We came from the universe through chaos, and that's why we're here. And that's why it it amazes me when we're like, no, aliens all have to be very different than us. I mean, there's probably a myriad of variations of life. Yeah, just like we see a huge variation on this planet of life, but we're all made from the same stuff. Like there's, there's no denying that. So if you're just talking about basic building blocks, like they are in this article, it seems like, yeah, that's the obvious assumption. That's where we came from. Where else do you think we came from? God, cause that's just silly. (laughs) That doesn't make any sense at all. So when you think of it in turn, this cosmic term of, of what life is and how, yes, of course, we came from the universe and the random chaos and elements put together. And that's how life came. Well, then clearly it has to have happened somewhere else. That's just a ridiculous thought not to have. And that means that we are as alien as any other life form out there because we are all alien. We all came from the same stardust and it's literally that simple. I don't, I don't know why it would be stranger to anyone hearing that. Oh, let's see here. Yeah, what do you guys have to say? What are you guys talking I got to scroll up to see what you guys are talking about. I don't like that. Uh, we're just a cosmic fart particles. You're right, Cameron. I, that's, it's like a diminishing statement because it makes us kind of feel small because we have these ridiculous egos as this species of ours. But it's true. <laughs> like, it's true. You, why can't we just celebrate that? Let's say we're the only accident of life on our planet and that's it. Awesome. That's amazing. How about we take care of it, (laughs) right? We don't know if it exists. We suspect it exists other places. There seems to be elements that tell us that it should be in other places, even in our own solar system, but we have yet to actually see the physical proof of it. So why can't we just say, yeah, we're amazing. How about we stop acting like assholes? (laughs) <laughs> right like if life is only found on this planet to date why are we destroying it again why aren't we taking better care of it and if you're a religious nut job and you believe that god created earth and he created man why wouldn't you take care of that isn't that what your god wanted you to do you dumbass? it, it doesn't make any sense we're the stupidest species ever to have existed, it seems. We're actively killing ourselves. We're the dodo bird. We make fun of ourselves. We're the dodo bird. And I got pissed when my drill sergeant used to call us uh, her little dodos. I got so mad, but it's true. What if aliens are just humans with no penises? They're called women. (laughs) They're called girls. Oh, uh, let's see. You tell me I can't rip my rib out and weird science that shit? I mean you can try. <laughs> if anyone can do it, you can do it, Labs. I believe in you. Um Theseus's ship tells us that the continuity of self is an illusion. This becomes a new question of what are you exactly? Yeah, that's when we're bridging into philosophy. That's where I can't really get into it. Um, Seek medical help if you rip out your rib to try to make a woman. (laughs) Yeah, they have apps nowadays. You can just sort of swipe and you'll eventually run into one. (laughs) You don't have to take your rib out. Um, One thing you can't stop thinking about is when humans will develop a fourth brain as we have a lizard, mammalian, and neocortex brains already. What will the fourth part be or do? You're making me think That you think we have actual three brains (laughs) i know you don't but that's how it phrases that's what makes me think of it um i think we're already in the middle of our next stage of evolution to be honest we're um homo texas you know not this state but tech like we're we're technology mixed already um you know we can laugh at the leap that people like elon musk are doing with implants in your brain But we already have technology in our bodies, you know, helping some people's hearts work or lungs work, uh, replacing lost limbs. Um, We are constantly engaged in technology. We are a version of human that is not the same as my father-in-law's generation. You know, Uh, we we are very different already. And that's what I'm talking about when I'm talking about evolution is that when you're in the middle of it, you're not seeing it. You have to be before or after to really appreciate it, and I think we are in this evolutionary stage of humans that we are changing, and we don't even realize it. Not necessarily to say it's a bad thing, because change is not bad or good; it just is. It it's evolution. It happens. It has to happen. It will happen whether you want it to or not. Um, but that's that's where we're going. You know, we're we're changing right now. Anyway, Homo mechanus. It was um oh it was um. Dan Brown wrote a novel about this that I freaked out about when I read it first. I can't remember what the novel was called. It was it was like five years ago, I think. But it, it talked about this very thing, about humans evolving, and, and we are in the middle of our next stage of, of evolution, um, blending with technology. Anyway, it's a great book if you want to read it. Okay, that's all I had for this. Uh, you know... I, we are literally aliens. So, you know, if, if another species of, of life comes on our planet and we're like, oh my gosh, it's aliens. No, no, everyone's an alien. It's just another form of life. It's either going to be hostile or not. And we need to figure that out. But we have to stop this, this us versus them mentality as a species because it doesn't exist anymore. We're on the same rock hurling through space and we're killing it and we're killing each other. And if we want our species to continue, we have to stop. It's literally that simple. Stop killing your environment. Stop killing each other and let the species continue. Otherwise we're going to wipe ourselves out and we deserve it. If we do. It's a choice and we're choosing (laughs) to destroy ourselves actively knowing that we're doing it. We're still not changing our behaviors which kind of tells me we don't deserve to be here. Uh, you're right, Duane, I think, I think you're absolutely right. We are kind of like cyborgs already. Not like the Van Damme movie Cyborg. Have <laughs> You ever tried to watch that? I, I grew up a Van Damme fan, and so Cyborg is sort of my bread and butter when I was a kid. I tried to watch it again with my son. Ooh, it's not, you, I couldn't do it. It's horrible. It is horrible. But let's get to something that's not horrible in this creature feature. Like that segment? change out this image and gush over something I know little to nothing about. Uh, I am actually ashamed to say that I have not read the novel Dune. I grew up with the original film and I would sit down and watch it with my uh, father-in-law or stepfather stepfather and um, enjoy it and I thought it was awesome and he got me into sci-fi and movies like Enemy Mine which is an amazing film. If you have never seen Enemy Mind, do yourself a favor, go watch it. Um, I would freak out about movies like um, um, ones that are fleeing my brain right now because I can't think of the damn name. Uh, Anyway, he he cut my teeth on uh, sci-fi, right? So I'm still trying to think of it in the back of my head. Dune was just a big part of my connection with it. Like, he's like, what, Star Galactica and stuff like that, um, which was always a lot of fun. But then when they said they were remaking Dune, I was like, okay, but is it gonna be better graphics? But I know the story. I never read the book, so I clearly didn't know the story at all. I just knew the hashed up version of the story that the film portrayed which is not accurate once you've seen or read the book or seen this version of the, the movie. And so I sat down with my wife. Um, we have a pretty decent-sized TV with a nice little surround sound system, so I didn't feel too bad about watching it at home on HBO Max rather than going into a theater. Although, after having watched it, I wish I would have gone to the theater to watch it because it is really a spectacle film. It was... I'm going to butcher his name. It was uh, directed by Dennis Villanueva... <laughs> He says it so fast when he says it so I can't get his, his I don't know, pronunciation. And it was written by him and John uh, Spates and Eric Roth. Now, if you don't know who this guy is, he did Blade Runner 2049. He did Arrival, which is both amazing. He did Sicario, which is amazing. And one of his feature sort of signature um, uh, traits is immersion and atmosphere. Like, Arrival is one of my favorite sci-fi films of all time. It's amazing. And it's all because of the cinematography and the musical uh, uh, score. The story's great, too. But those together create something wholly different and greater than just, you know, the individual sum of its parts. Um, This is nothing short of a masterpiece. He approaches this and hans zimmer you know he has his his sort of signature sound that he brings to everything which nothing wrong with it you love him he's great right he he, he tries some new stuff in this it's still very hans zimmer as far as the score goes but I, it's on another level it is masterful in its atmosphere and immersion this film because of all the individual components firing on all cinema- cylinders. So Greg Fraser, uh Grieg Fraser did the cinematography. Hans Zimmer did the music. Um, Dennis uh, Villanueva, I, I'm saying that wrong, I feel like. Um, he, he directed it. Uh, this is the first of a planned two-part adaptation of the 1965 novel by Frank Herbert, primarily covering the first half of the book. If you've never read the book and you don't know the story, it's basically um, the distant human evolution species scattered across the world. Um, there's a sort of imperial seat of power that sort of governs everything. There's the sort of mystical offshoot of what we could imagine as being like a witch cult in the coolest sense of the word. And they sort of uh, maneuver sociopolitically throughout the, the galaxy, as it were uh sort of shifting alliances and um power trying to bring it into their their control Um, and then you have different houses which is ostensibly different power factions you know like nations um that are hereditary in nature but that sort of govern different aspects of the I don't know what just happened of the universe. Right. And so they, there's this, you know, political power struggle in the universe that is sort of governed by this imperial seat. Well, the story opens up with um, one political faction being stripped away from uh, this spice collection planet. And the whole point of that is so that they can destroy a rival house. So they, take one house out who is now working in concert with this imperial seat, and they pull in another uh, family in order to take control. And they do that so that that family can fail and they can come in and crush them and get rid of them as rival, uh, a rival power faction, right? And so the hero of the film is from that family. And so it's really about the the survival of that event of his family being crushed. I'm trying to distill it into its simplest parts and I don't wanna minimize it or reduce it too much because though that is the baseline story, it's so much bigger than that. And visually they play on so many wonderful themes. Um, Humans have evolved so that there is no computer or AI at all, right? Um, Everything about this universe that Frank Herbert created Is a celebration. Of the human experience. It's about what we as a species. Have been able to evolve to. And create. And that is a very science fiction approach. To humanity. Because ultimately I think. We're going in a very dystopian direction. And not in this. uh, Renaissance. Beauty celebration. You know of like art and literature and uh expression you know that that's what makes us human as we understand humanity um that that's what makes us brilliant uh and that's the one thing that we're diminishing in our own chosen direction as a species you know we're going very tech-centric and you know relying on things other than who and what we are the traits of what allowed us to survive we're now relying on other things that we build in order to just kind of exist in a very wally, like dystopian future, which is very depressing. Because what I love about humanity is humanities. It's the art, it's the literature, it's the sculpture, it's the creation, it's the architecture, it's the, 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 the expression, our emotions, the way that we communicate our emotions in very primitive forms of communication, like the paintings and the writings and stuff. That's what this world celebrates. And they do have technology, so don't get me wrong. There are forms of computers and stuff, but the fact that they minimize it so much, I find it very interesting because you have all those other film uh, uh, um, futuristic series like Star Trek and Star Wars that amp that side of it up and they diminish the humanity aspect of it. Whereas this is just a human story. It's about power vacuums and survival and revenge, all of which is saying we should definitely understand and celebrate. Um, and not having read the novel and just getting a fuller understanding of it from this first film of two that's planned and the second one has been greenlit, it, it blew me away. It just absolutely blew me away. My wife and I were just sitting there with our mouths agape the entire time and in retrospect, maybe that's when she planted that long hair, and I've just been sitting with it for weeks. <laughs> she was all pink um it's it's brilliant and and now i have to I have to read the novel because I'm just blown away um Okay, so let's, let's get into some of this here. It's set in a far future. It follows Paul Atreus, uh, Atreides as his family, the noble house Atreides, is thrust into a war for the dangerous desert planet of Arrakis. Now, this planet, it's very much like Earth, right? In that it has natural resources, which is it's the spice. Now, they could have terraformed this planet and made it this beautiful jungle planet where humans could have thrived in. But instead, they chose to mine it for its natural resources, which decimated the planet. Very similar to what we're doing here on Earth, and we've known it since earlier than the '70s, when books were being written about it. Um, and so that that's what makes it very real from you know our own human experience perspective. So we can we can see where they ended up because we're living it. Um, but the, what, what really sets it out for me is the um, – I'm going to mispronounce this to so just be warned. I've been mispronouncing all day, though, so <laughs> who cares at this point? Uh, the Bene Jesserets. It's an order of witches, ostensibly, that take control, much like LeVay suggested true witches, took control during the witch trials. So whether it was the Spanish In- Inquisition, whether it was the Scottish witch trials, or whether it's the Salem, Massachusetts witch trials, the real witches supposedly were the ones sleeping with the priests, and so they never got hung or whatever. The idea, I don't think that's really what happened, but I think the idea of it is very sound, though. It's that everyone fears and respects the Bene jesuits, G- um, right? But they are literally shaping the socio-political climate on, from all sides in order to have their own form of a prophecy be realized in order to cement their own power. So as the different houses or the imperial seat are seeing them as allies or tools or chess pieces to move around the truth is they're just as bad as everyone else but they're cool about it right they have these sort of powers so if you're a star wars fan it's very sort of like the force if you're just a a a weird sci-fi fan i don't know what you compare it to in that case witches that's what i compare it to they're fucking witches and they're awesome (laughs) they're just awesome i love them to death they like no one else has the air of just terror and awe and respect that they have like you just walk into the room and they immediately command it doesn't matter who it is they command everyone everyone worships them everyone sees them as these you know brilliant powerful uh, organization that they cannot cross they're great now here's the kicker. They're making a prequel HBO Max series. And the pilot is being written by David. But also um, it's called uh, Dune the Sisterhood. It's all about the uh, Bene Gesserits. Which I can't wait for. It's going to be amazing. So um, yeah. No AI. No computers. It's uh, about the triumph of the human spirit. As described by Dennis. Um, It had a $165 million budget. The box office Was 306.9 million. And I don't know if that includes people who sat at home and watched on HBO Max like I did, but that's a hell of a box office even today. You know, people are talking about, I remember before the pandemic and, you know, like films like Justice League were getting just under 200,000. They're like, oh, that's a failed movie. How could they ever make so little? You know, everyone hates that film. And then, just this year, they're saying, oh, it got a $9 million uh, film screening budget. That's amazing. They did so great. Okay. They got $306.9 million. Like, let's show a little respect here for what an actual cinematic masterpiece this is compared to anything else out there. And I'm talking on the scale of, like, I'm a huge Star Wars nerd. This is infinitely bigger than A New Hope, Star Wars Episode Four the original star wars if you don't know what i'm talking about um as far as like pushing the boundaries of storytelling and visual effects i really thought this was brilliant it just took me on a a whole different ride that i never thought i wanted and now i can't stop thinking about it's amazing that that this has been out for you know the, the the novel came out in um oh sweet hell i just had it here Uh, 1965 1965 and I'm just now getting into it that makes me feel like I'm late to a party and not fashionably late pathetically late (laughs) you know like my geek cred has just been washed down the tube because I I haven't been on this train the whole time and I should have been it's amazing so Timothy Chalamet I think he's a bitch but holy shit did I lose him in this film I don't know what it is about him that I hate but whatever it is disappeared because he is amazing as Paul Atreides in this. Genuinely amazing. Um, Rebecca Ferguson is Lady Jessica, who's um, Paul's mother, but not quite, like, legal mother. She's, like, like the, the father never really married her. He just sort of had a kid with her so he could have an heir uh, because she's one of the Gesserits. Um Oscar Isaacs plays the Duke, uh, Leto Atreides. Uh, Josh Brolin does a really good job as uh, Gurney Halleck. Uh, Stellan Skarsgård is a triumph in this role as Baron Vladimir Harkonnen. He is, he, he, he just has a presence in this film that I think as a, uh, it's a subtle presence because the original version of the character that I saw had a bunch of pus boils and stuff and they were all like super gross and sick. And so he had a presence because he was disgusting. This one, though he is very overweight and he can't really stand without technology in some form, um, he's, he, he's, he's not, like, overbearing. He's just – he's got that gravity to his, his performance that really cements the character as, as threatening. Dave Bautista continues to amaze me with what he's capable of doing. I don't think he ever disappears in his characters that he plays. No matter what character he plays, it's always like, oh, yeah, Dave Bautista. But I think that's just because of his, his, his body. You know, you can't, that head is just so him. <laughs> it's his head. <laughs> You're right, Dwayne. All the Scottish guards are just like next level. They're great. Whatever Wheaties they're eating, they gotta keep it up because they're doing amazing. Um, anyway, the entire cast is brilliant. So Warner Brothers and Legendary Pictures officially green- greenlighted lighted Dune Part Two on October 26th, 2021 which was very recent. So this film was released and they didn't know if they were gonna do a sequel, but the title of the film, the way it ended, all led because the the director wanted to do a sequel. And Warner Brothers was like, look, the only way we're gonna do a sequel is if it really performs on HBO Max. I don't know why that was the bar they set, probably because they didn't think people would go to the theaters, but it blew them away too. And they're like, all right, let's do it. This is This is gold, we're gonna go. And so it's going to be released uh, tentatively right now as October 20th, 2023. Dune the Sisterhood is the prequel series they're doing on HBO Max. I think that's supposed to be out next year. Um, and Villanueva said that at the Venice Film Festival before the film's debut, that he's planning a trilogy with the two films being based on the first novel and the third film being based on Dune Messiah. I know nothing about that, but I, everything he's done, I've just been blown away with. He is an amazing director, amazing creator, and I can't wait. And this is a version of the future that I actually really kind of like. You know, as a species, we'll never get out of our tribal habits of you know having our political factions or having our our um, uh, tribal entities that we sort of create for no real reason, um, but we do it because it's just it was a survival technique back in the day, right? Back in our ancestry. Um, I like the idea of a future where we can't escape being human. That's just what we are. But we can still cling to the aspects of humanity that make us human. You know? Th- there's this, this sense of... of um, hum- I always like to say humans, uh, they create and they destroy. That is what we are. We're creators and we're destroyers. Um, and, and championing and holding on to that as an element of beauty is, is really, you know, just heightening, making an awareness and an acceptance of, yes, we can be monsters, but we can also be gods. We can create truth that you can't deny is masterful and beautiful. And, uh, that's kind of amazing. And that's the future that I want our species to go to. I don't want us to go down this rabbit hole of just being brains in a jar. That depresses the shit out of me. You know? We're special because of what we create. That's what makes us different than other animals. Let's hold on to that. Let's celebrate that. Let's put that on the shelf saying that's what we need to aspire to, creating mastery, not talking shit about people online. Or ruining their lives because they said one thing a billion years ago that you don't like. We're going down a wrong direction. It's not a right or left thing. It's not a team thing. It's just our species has decided we're going to fuck ourselves. And so we're just trying our hardest to get our dick in our own ass. And it's not going to work. It's to stop. Let's just celebrate what we're great at. And stop focusing on destroying what we are. Ugh. All right. Hey, Marcy, thanks for joining. Let's see, you're unaware of other religions wherein members mainly openly agree with the founder on some things without largely being perceived as apostate. What are you guys talking about? Oh my gosh. You love that you're open about disagreeing with LeVay on certain things instead of agreeing with him. Um, it depends. I, as Satanists, we need to understand the line where the Satanist begins and ends and the religion of Satanism begins and ends because there is a line and it's the Satanic Bible. (laughs) That's the line. So Satanism as a religion is you either connect to it in one aspect of identifying that, yes, I am a Satanist and I also celebrate carnal man's carnal existence or you don't. So you either are a Satanist or you're not, but everything else in your life, that has nothing to do with the religion that you ascribe to, right? So whatever weird fetishes you like, uh, how you like to eat your, your uh, morning cereal, whether you uh, put jam on the peanut butter or whether you put it on the bread when you're making a PB&J, that has nothing to do with the religion. That's just you, right? So understanding that difference Especially it's important in the founder. Because you can't look at Anton LaVey and think. He is Satanism. Because he's not. He created it. He codified it. But he's not the religion. He was an important. An incredibly important part. In the strength. And notoriety of the religion. But. He is not the beginning and end of the religion. We are. Every Satanist is the beginning and end of the religion. And it's personified in the, the and This again, why I love this goddamn religion. <laughs> Literally. Uh, <laughs> because it celebrates what we create. The triumphs that we find in life. That's how we exemplify this religion. Not in sniping each other and being shitty. I'm, ju- I'm just as guilty as anyone. So I'm not like, you know, I'm not looking down on anyone. But that's the worst part of us. The best part of us is being masterful at something. At truly creating something. And celebrating it. That's great. I love it. Love it. All right. (laughs) What the fuck are you guys talking about? Pineapple on pizza. You guys are weird. All right. That's all I got. Thank you guys so much uh, for tuning into to this episode of Nine Cents. I hope you enjoyed it. I had a lot of fun. Um, you can view f- past episodes of nine cents or any of my Satanic projects that I have out there by visiting my website, reverendcampbell.com. If you want to learn more about Satanism, the religion, or the church of Satan, the organization that has defined and defended the religion from its creation, uh, <laughs> visit Satan.com or read the standard Bible and read the Stanic scriptures. Uh, we are Satanists is really good too. That's on the shelf back here. Uh, do yourself a favor that tells you about all of the history. Of not only our founder, but also the formation of the organization as well. And when you realize that the organization existed, and then the Satanic Bible was written, then you realize that there is not one without the other. There is no Satanism without the Church of Satan. And there's no Church of Satan without the religion of Satanism. Period. So any other weird offshoots that are like, no, 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 this is what Satanism is. No, no, no. The Church of Satan was formed, and then the Church of Satan created the Satanic Bible, and then the Satanic Bible was the one thing that defined the religion that the Church of Satan created, defined, and defended. It's that simple. There, it, it's literally a 1 plus 1 equals 2 issue. There's no other variables. <laughs> that's it. So whatever everyone else is doing, it's something different. It's not the same. And we have to make sure that that's clear. All right. I'm off my soapbox. Have a great day, everyone. I hope you guys have a fantastic week. Until we can get together again. Until next week, hail that Satan. (laughs) Keep on hailing that Satan. Hail Satan.